The AP poll is sleeping on Utah football, and I'm going to tell you why on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube and wherever you may listen to your podcast. If this is your first time joining us, make sure you guys like and subscribe. We'd love to interact with you guys in the comments on YouTube as well as on social media. You can follow our show at Lockdown Utes. Also, my personal handle at JT Wistersill. My name is JT Wistersill, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. And on today's show, we're doing a little bit of a position preview on the offensive line in the second and kind of third segments overall because uh, I know we had all this conference realignment stuff and everything got pretty crazy. But in just a little over two weeks, by the time we're recording this on Monday night, Utah football is their first game. So I figured it's time we start deep diving and previewing these positions for uh, how they'll project and how they'll perform in the 2023 college football season. But before we get to that, got to talk about some other projections based on that other media members have made. Uh, Talk about Utah football and the AP poll officially came out. Utah was ranked 14th overall. And I just look, okay, I can understand as long as Utah's in the top 15, I've always said like, I'm good with it. I understand it. I can hear the argument out for it. And uh, if any of these teams are better than Utah football at the end of the year. Would I fall over my chair and be like, that's crazy, like that happened? No, because also I saw this other stat where, um, well, first of all, who thought Texas A&M last year would be as bad as they would be, right? I mean, like there's just all these scenarios and situations where like you think a team's going to be this and then they end up being that, like whether it's injuries or just things not working out. Lots of things can happen over the course of a college football season, right? So that's where to me I'm not like, once again, just like drastically upset at the top 15. Um, I saw something funny about the AP poll, by the way, the other day that um, every year – since a long time ago, except for 2019, at least one team that was picked to finish inside the top 10 of the AP poll has finished unranked. That was Texas A&M last year, of course, and uh, we've had it happen multiple other years in college football in general. So kind of going to be interested to see who it's going to be overall. I'm going to tell you which team I think that might end up being in a second as I dive into this and talk about why. Yes, I, I vehemently disagree with Utah being at 14. As I said, I can understand here the ranking, but it's more so just the teams there behind me. It's not so much as like there are 13 teams better than Utah. Like I can see that, but then like the ones they list, I'm just like, really? You trust them more than Kyle Whittingham and the Utah football team that's back-to-back Pac-12 championship that returns a lot of the key players that were part of that Pac-12 championship team? And it's like, yeah, I know Dalton Kincaid's gone. I know Clark Phillips III is gone. But like as we've talked about a lot on this show, like the transition from Dalton to Brandt, is just one of the best transitions in college football you will have seen. I mean, Dalton Kincaid had one of the best seasons we've ever seen from a college football tight end last year. Brant Keithy has had some of the best recent seasons we've seen from a college football tight end. Like, you just don't get transitions like that in general. Guys who are proven commodities, right? Like, we've seen um, quarterbacks. Like, the Alabama quarterback transitions have been fantastic for them, whether it's uh, Mac Jones to Bryce Young to we'll see who the next guy's going to be. But just in general, the transitions for Alabama football have been really good at the quarterback position. But even those, those are really unknown whenever that happens, right? Because that you're like, well, he's a high recruit. He could be good. Like, Brand is a proven commodity. And I understand there's some skepticism with the injury, I guess, a little bit. But everything we've heard is that he's gotten back up to speed. And I just have a hard time believing he's going to fail to go over 600 yards, considering he was on pace to shatter his career regular season high uh, last year. And just based on how he performed in the Florida game and the first couple of games after that, too. I just think in some of Utah's biggest games last year is where we would have seen Brant ball out and do his thing. So 
really excited to see what he can do overall. But once again, let's just, let's talk specifically about the teams. And we've done this with the coaches bowl and some of the other ones, right? Like obviously Georgia, Michigan, Ohio state, Alabama. Um, I have zero issue with those first four right there being above. They should be in everyone's top five in some order. Honestly, they're top four. Um, another one, Penn state. I have no issue with Penn state being above. Um, we've talked about it before, right? I don't think that Rose bowl is completely fair since cam got hurt, but it did feel like you play that game just based on how it was playing out. You play that game 10 times. I think Penn State probably wins six, and then Utah gets like four, or some equation of that. I just that Penn State team uh, did look better in that game than Utah did. Once again, I think Utah would have had a chance to win, but uh, still just different set of circumstances and everything. But then the other ones, like the ones I can like, okay, you can make an argument for. Um, LSU, you can make an argument for. Jalen Daniels, or Jaden Daniels, excuse me, what they accomplished last year. USC, Caleb Williams, what they accomplished last year. Still overall, I can see the argument for. Uh, Clemson is another one. It's like, okay, of what Dabo Sweeney's program has accomplished. Do you think Club Nick's going to be a better quarterback? Sure. Washington, I'm really high on Washington. If I wasn't a, a Utah homer, obviously, Washington would be my team. I'd be like, they're going to win the Pac-12 this season. I really think Washington's good. And then uh, Tennessee is the other one I look at too, and I'm like, yeah, you can uh, you can make a case and an argument for why the Vols, for why the Volunteers, excuse me, are going to be uh, right back up there as well. Um, but after that, I mean, I guess, look, I know everyone is so high on Florida state. I'm sorry, but I already mentioned that stat, like one team from the AP top 10 finished on rank to me. My guess for that is Florida state. Yes. Florida state beat LSU early on in the season. I do not think they would have beaten LSU if they played later in the, later in the season. Florida state had three losses last year, all three of them to ranked opponents at the time. So yeah, they had some other good wins. They beat like South Carolina at a bowl game later that season, or, and I might even be mixing them up with someone else now off the top of my head. But either way, like Florida state did some, did some nice things, did some really good things last season. I just, but there's still a lot of question marks there, right? Like Mike Norvell's teams. We haven't seen him get over the hump yet. Like that that's a big thing to me. I want to see you get over the hump. I've seen Kyle Winningham's team win Pac-12 championships now, back-to-back seasons, and there's so many proven commodities returning. Once again, these other teams like a Florida State, you're projecting like, well, they took this step, so they're going to take the next step. Like they very well might, but like I would just – I'd rather be high on the team that's uh, already done it overall. So – that's just where, uh, where that one I disagree with uh, pretty pretty strongly personally. I know a lot of people really seem to like Florida State this year, but to me, it's once again, it's just like before Florida State's back, I, I want to see them be back. And speaking of waiting to kind of see how a team is before proclaiming them to be back, Texas. Why is Texas above Utah? Look, Bijan Robinson is gone. And last I checked, the replacement there is not like a Brant Keithy replacement. It could be a high recruit, but it could be someone who is very productive and done some nice things. But like, just thinking he's going to step in and fill the Bijan Robinson role, which is one of the best running backs we've seen in college football the last couple of years. I, I just don't see that. Quinn Ewers, we've heard reports he's gotten better. We've heard reports he looks really good, right? They return a lot on both sides of the ball. This is a team that struggled to put together and win big games. And to me, when that happens, that can be a player's issue sometimes, just decision-making and poor standpoints. And of course, that can also be a coaching thing as well. And we know Steve Sarkeesian has had a struggle in those close and tight games overall. So why would I trust Texas over a stable Utah football program that continues to do their thing overall? And just especially after what they did last year. And speaking of last year, uh, Notre Dame is the other one I have an issue with. I just I, I still remember the Marshall loss. And I know like, oh, well, they improved over the course of the season. But like, yeah, can we can we see them do it over the course of a season? Can I see a Marcus Freeman team not suffer those bad tumbles and losses that Kyle Whittingham's teams under Cam Rising haven't suffered before? So I, I brought that up to someone today and someone was like, well, what about the San Diego State game? That was Cam came in at halftime or whenever he got something when the team was already really down and they almost stormed back and won the game. Like with Cam Rising on this team, they haven't lost had bad losses, I would say. You look at Florida is by no means like an awesome loss, but it's week one of the season on a road in a different, completely in different environment. You can excuse that one. Oregon uh, losing to them on the road, tough place to win. UCLA was really good last year overall. Oregon State tough place to play. Those are the true. And then the Rose Bowl ones, you're playing really dang good teams. Like Utah doesn't lose bad games. That's what Notre Dame and Texas have continually lost. So 
to me, when you're just talking about this Utah football team, you're talking about a quarterback. And if some of the reason why Utah's 14 is Cam Rising's health, I get it. We still haven't heard a lot. We don't know if he's going to be good for the Florida game. Do I still think he is? Yeah, but we haven't heard a lot about it. So I understand the trepidation there by the voters overall. Um, but just look at the totality of this team. You got a lot of really good, exciting running backs coming back who produced last year, three starters along the offensive line. Um, which we'll be talking about in a minute, of course, in the second segment. Um, your top pass catchers outside of Dalton Kincaid are back. You get Vele back, Money Parks. You even added a receiver through the transfer portal. And once again, I know it's projecting, but that's just, once again, I, that's why I listed the transfer guy third. I listed the proven guys who are really good and a part of a team that won a Pac-12 championship first. Defensively, you return loads of balance, loads of talent at all three levels. So to me, Utah belongs. I have Utah at seven personally. I have no problem saying that. Um, I just think, what I said, when Kyle Winningham, the returning talent, I trust Cam Rising in the big games. I think Utah belongs in the top 10. I can hear an argument for them in the top 15. I would have like so much less a problem if like Oregon was the team above Utah. I can see such a reason for or and a path for Oregon to be really good this season. So to me, but like I said, it's all these other ones. It's the 10, it's the Florida's, it's Florida States, it's the Texas, not Florida, of course. Uh, it's Florida, it's Texas, Notre Dame. That's where personally I just disagree with that. So I do think the AP voters got this one wrong. Um, I thought Josh Furlong had Utah at 11. I think that is totally fine and a fair placement. Um, but I, like I said, I personally would have Utah in the top 10. I'd like to see Utah at seven. We'll see if they can uh, make me look correct or if they'll end up finishing more where uh, these guys project them to finish overall. But yes, I do think the AP poll got this one wrong as it relates to Utah. And I think Utah will once again surprise some people as they seem to do every single season overall. So we're going to be talking about one of the reasons the Utah will be able to surprise some teams going forward. It's going to be because of their offensive line. That's coming up in the next segment. But first, I want to tell you guys about our friends at Nutrafol. With Nutrahol, you don't have to choose between better hair growth and your health. Nutrafol provides a whole body health approach for men that promotes healthier hair. No drugs, no compromises, just better hair. Men think losing their hair is inevitable. Take control of your hair's future with Nutrafol's science-backed hair growth supplement for men. Did you know that 8% of men will experience hair thinning in their lifetime? It's normal, but it doesn't have to be your fate. You can get ahead of the thinning with Nutrafol. You guys can be better than me because my hair has already started to thin. I wish I would have gotten on Nutrafol a lot sooner and uh, had an opportunity to prevent that. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Nutrafol's hair growth supplement use physician formulated natural science backed ingredients. Their drug free patented technology provides consistent, reliable results without compromising your sexual health. Go to Nutrafol.com to take their hair, to take your hair health well, to, oh, excuse me, to take their hair health wellness quiz, identifying the cause of your thinning hair, and Nutrafol will provide you a personalized plan for a better hair health through whole body wellness. Take the first step to visibly thicker hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering you, our listeners, $10 off. So once again, Nutrafol is offering our listeners, so you guys, Locked On News listeners, $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com slash men and enter the promo code Locked On College. That's all caps, no spaces, Locked On College. Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com slash men. And that's Nutrafol spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com slash men. And enter the promo code Locked On College. That's Nutrafol.com slash men. Promo code Locked On College. All righty, coming back into this one. Let's talk about the state of the Utah offensive line. As I mentioned in my open, like we're just a few weeks away from the season and uh, we got to start previewing some of these position groups to me. And I wanted to start with the offensive line because that is one of the positions where I have uh, some of the most questions personally. I just have a lot of questions when it comes to the offensive liner. Uh, it's my biggest question of the team still is the left tackle spot. Just when you're talking about team building, culture, et cetera, everything like quarterback's the most important position. 
then it's kind of goes back and forth, right? Protecting that quarterback and then getting after the quarterback when you're in terms of team building. Love Utah's quarterback, obviously. I, I think their pass rush is trending in the right direction. Still not one of like the strengths of this team, just with how inconsistent it was at times last year. But we'll talk about them more in the future. And uh, then it's the offensive line. And I love that three starters are coming back on this offensive line. We'll talk about them in a second. But the reason my biggest concern involves the offensive line is because the most important thing when it comes to protecting your quarterback is protecting his blind side. And of course, Falcon Kalmatule is going to be starting on the left side. More than likely, we saw a big shakeup and a change last year, so we'll see who ends up getting that nod. Could be uh, Jaron Kump as well. But um, Falcon Kalmatule has not started any like critical big games for this Utah football team over the last two seasons. Do I think Falcon can be good? I absolutely think Falcon can be good. But he's an unknown. This is exactly this whole conversation I had last week about the Florida Gators receivers. You can like the Florida Gators receivers, but they haven't done anything yet. So it's not like you can be like, oh, they scare you or they're so outstanding. Like, I think Falcon Kalmatule is going to do a good job at the left tackle spot. Do I know that? No. So it's going to be my biggest question mark slash concern, one of them, because it's such a vital position that you want to be like, oh, yeah, we feel great right there. I hope the coaches feel good about putting Falcon there. I'm almost positive they do. They see him every day. We don't get to see that, so I'm not going to feel great about it until we see Falcon over there in that spot and how he does. And if you remember, guys, remember last year, Brian Daniels, uh, Brian Cox, I believe it was for the Florida Gators. I could be messing up his name, but I think that's who it was. That edge defender, he got the better of Braden a lot in that first game. So this isn't something that if Falcon struggles, let's say, against Florida, I'm not going to be someone's like, let's bench him, all this and that. Now, obviously, if it continues over the next uh, like couple games, like something against, it wouldn't be an issue against Weaver State, of course, but if it was an issue at Baylor, then against UCLA as well, then I might be like, okay, then it's time. But you always got to give a guy time to settle in, figure things out. And uh, I trust, um, of course, with Jim Harding. I just trust Jim Harding to make the right decision when it involves his offensive line, right? When is Jim Harding not giving us a reason to trust him, right? Got the 2021 offensive line to come together. Got the 22 offensive line to come together, of course, overall. Do I still love the decision to move Satao Lameau to right tackle? Not my favorite, but I think he was better at guard. But who am I to question? They won pack. They won a Pac-12 championship last year. Satawa still earned uh, first team All-Pro or first team All-Pac-12, excuse me, and is projected first team All-Pro actually on, on sites I believe I've seen. So um, Satawa's got a chance to do something special. But just going back to Falcon, I think he can be good. I like his size. That's the biggest thing I like about him. I just want to make sure he knows how to use it correctly. I think that's the reason he's obviously been this big for a while, right? He hasn't maybe, and because Brayden Daniels has been in front of him as well, that's another big reason, obviously. But when you're talking about uh, Satao Laumea overall. I mean, you're talking about a big guy in there who's going to be able to hold it down along the offensive line for this Utah football team in general. You're talking about a guy in uh, Falcon Kalmatule overall who is, I'm trying to look up my info on Falcon. There we go. Uh, 6'8", 304. Like, that's a big guy. Your edge rushers are going to have a hard time bull rushing him, but if they do get leverage on him, they'll be able to drive him back. Long arms, I like that to be able to keep edge rushers off. That's what I mean. I love, like, Falcon is the, what you tell me, like, what Falcon should be. I love it. I just want to see that he, if he's going to be that. Once again, also what we talked about, right? All the high recruit teams in the past, like USC's getting all these great offensive linemen for years, yet Utah's been the one who's beating them in the past. So that's where I just want to see it from Falcon. I think he can do it. And I'm going to say this. I do think Falcon will do a good job this season. Do I think he's going to be a first team all Pac-12 guy? Second team even? Probably not, but I'm not going to rule it out. I think it could definitely happen. I didn't think Satawa was going to be a first team all Pac-12 guy at right tackle. And he was able to do it. So I, I like Falcon. I think he'll do good, but still the biggest question mark I have just because it's like, I don't know that for sure. Rustle offensive line. I, I feel really strongly about this. These four, especially I said, this Utah team has three returning starters. It's kind of like three and a half, right? Cause Johnny Maia played a lot last season. And whenever he was in there, just like the same thing, when uh, Paul Miley went in for Nick Ford in 21 offensive line, didn't miss a beat. They did a great job. 
So I think Johnny Maia is going to do a great job for this huge offensive line. I think he's going to be a really strong center for them. I think he's just going to be able to execute up front, be able to call out the blitzes, everything you need out of your center. I think Maia is ready for that role. And of course, I like the Keaton Bills and Satawa Lame. I mean, how can you not? Satawa not showed a lot of growth over the course of the season at the right tackle spot, especially in pass protection. We know he he's like the dude in the run game. Like he gets after in the run game. We know he's a man amongst boys in the run game. But pass protection, you know, it's just different protecting when you're on an island out there at right tackle because you got no one next to you on the right side versus when you're obviously a guard, you got your tackle and your center right next to you. It's just it's a different kind of pass protection, and uh, it is not an easy transition despite. What, so I've heard some people in the past in the media be like, oh, it's easy to play like guard and tackle. That, that's a lot more complicated, I think, than a lot of people uh, let it out to be overall. So I thought Satawa did a really good job in his first year. I think he's going to be even better this season. And I do think Satawa will make first-team all Pac-12 again. Just like Keaton Bills should be a first-team all Pac-12 guy. I mean, he's just so solid, right? Especially when he got going uh, middle of the year kind of last year was when he really, I thought, was really playing his best ball for this Utah football team. Just throwing dudes around in the run game, pretty strong in path protection as well. Um, and then I already mentioned my, I just feel like he's going to be a really solid addition to this group. I expect some combination of Satawa and Keaton to still be the best. And then we'll see like kind of if Falcon key, uh, Johnny. And then of course the last guy is Michael Mokafisi factor into this. Michael Mokafisi had a lot of, had some rough spots last year overall, in my opinion, he was just, you know, just getting acclimated, had to adjust there. If I thought Utah's offensive line was good. If you would have said, okay, all amongst the starting offensive line, who would you classify as the weak link? I probably would have said Michael Mokafisi. But I also thought he showed a lot of in-season improvement from when you looked at some of those earlier games to later in the season. And I think this year, he's going to be even stronger. He's already a really good run blocker. I just think in pass protection is once again where I want to see him take a step in the right direction. And I just think another offseason, another year comfortable starting. He knows he can do this now. The confidence will be higher. I expect Mokafisi to do a really good job this season. I expect this to be one of, if not the best offensive lines in the Pac-12 once again. And I'd probably be a top three one again. And yeah, I mean, I really like the state of this offensive line overall. My little, do I have question marks about... Falcon Kalmatule. Do I have small questions? Not as much about how Mokafisi is going to grow in year two. Yeah. Do I, I guess I have even smaller questions about Maya, but I just, I saw him last year and he looked really good. So I don't as much. So yeah, I feel really good about the state of this offensive line. I think Utah is in a good position. And if there are any issues and if Jim Harding makes any changes, I trust Jim Harding to make those changes because every time he's made a change in the past, it's worked out really well for this team. And even last year, he ended up getting the right five when it mattered most. We saw this offensive line do a good job, albeit what Jaron Kump sub did for Mokofisi, or I can't remember if Kump was in at center for the USC game off the top of my head right now, the first go around. We saw them provide Cam and Dalton the time they needed to put on an unbelievable and unreal performance. And at the time, that was a USC defensive line and just a USC team. They came in leading the countries in sacks, and they got none in Salt Lake City. So a lot of credit to that Jim Harding, this Utah offensive line. They returned multiple key contributors from that game, and I expect those guys to step up and show out this season and once again be one of, if not the best offensive line in the Pac-12. But it is going to be interesting to see what happens with Falcon. And just in general, this is going to be the combination of guys we get to see, right? So if it's not these guys... Who could we see, right? So let's look at some of the uh, the other guys overall. Like the future, let's start with the depth of this offensive line as it relates to the 23 season. And when you're talking about depth of an offensive line, especially when it relates to Utah, you have to start with Jaron Kump. When you're talking about Jaron Kump, you're talking about a guy who has experience working out center. He played a lot of guard last season. He started games in 21 at tackle. He is the sixth man of this offensive line, the Swiss Army knife. If anyone goes down based on what the current projections are, Jaron would probably step in. There's also a chance that Jaron starts the season. Once again, a guy with starting experience overall. Jim Harding's going to put his best five out there. That could very well include Kump. I think Kump is one of the best, uh, excuse me, Kump is one of the best backup offensive linemen in the country, honestly. I think when you have a guy with starting experience, you can do those positive things. Did he have rough patches against like a USC last season? Yeah, but I just think most guys like that who had some starting experience before, they would be starting. That's why I think it's a huge luxury for this Utah team to have a guy like Kump 
waiting in the wings. And when he gets his opportunity, I think he's going to make the most of it if it comes this season. So I really like having Jaron Kump as a backup. Um, I like a guy like Zero Williams, who has a ton of size overall. I think he could be a big addition to this offensive line if uh, they ever need him at any point in the season. Because, I mean, you talk about a guy who's 6'8", 3'10". So if a tackle goes down, you want to throw the size out there. This guy's been in the program for a few years, has a good grasp of the playbook. I'm willing to bet. I'm working with Jim Harding, so I bet the technique will be pretty strong as well. Could there be some growing pains just because, like Falcon, he hasn't played a ton? Absolutely. But I trust him, and I think he would do a, a really good job as well. So I like the have Jaron Kump, the Swiss Army Knife, can play all five. You get zero who could play kind of either tackle spot. And then you get a guy in Coley Bau, and I apologize for mispronounce his name, but I'm just going to call him Coley, uh, who played a lot for Utah, not a lot, but a couple opportunities for Utah at Senate last year when Paul and Maya were both hurt. Coley came in once again, offensive line didn't miss a beat. So I definitely think there's a chance we could see some of uh, Coley this year as well, depending on how they want to mismatch and kind of move around the offensive line. And I like Coley. I think this Utah offensive line would once again be outstanding if Coley stepped in at center, because that's what they were last year whenever he played at center. So um, I think Coley has got to be also Coley's got to be one of the best third centers in the country. I think he would start possibly at a, a lot of other programs in the country and at the very least be one of the top backup centers overall. And, He's going to be uh, that. He's going to be the one of the top backup centers, to potentially even third string, depending on what Jaron Kump's official like designation as a backup is. So either way, big fan of uh, Fau and just big fan of the depth this has. One, we talked about it last year how deep Utah's offensive line was. I, I think it's the same thing this year. When you go eight deep like they did last year, I think you feel really good about that. And I feel like this Utah offensive line does go eight deep. And uh, look, after this season, the reality of the offensive line position is you're going to lose some guys. But you know what's okay? You're also gaining some guys with, and in terms of an extra year in the program, gaining experience, strength in order to get themselves ready to take a starting opportunity. And Utah is obviously recruited very well. When you look at Spencer Fano, one of the top in crates state recruits last year, uh, Caleb Lomu, one of the top offensive linemen kind of in the West, I believe, overall, uh, just on the, the West side of the country. Um, you're talking about two exceptional and elite offensive linemen. I would be shocked if Spencer Fano's not starting by this time next year. I think he already has his technique sound. He just needed a year to add strength. This is something we've talked about before. Offensive linemen, it takes them a lot longer to be able to acclimate to their position at the collegiate level than like a corner where your speed can translate very early on. Um, and just you have to get up to a certain size in an offensive lineman, strength, all of that. That usually takes a year. It's why you rarely see a year one starter along the offensive line. I don't expect Spencer to start this year, but I do, do think he'll have a really good chance to be one of Utah's starting offensive linemen come 2023. And I think Caleb will have a shot as well. He was the guy who isn't an early enrollee, so we haven't gotten our first look at him. I think that'll come in the Weaver game, and he's a guy I expect to see a lot from. I could see, I think Fano could be this team starting right tackle next year, and then we could see Lomu as uh, one of the starting guards, because I do have a feeling like, I just think that Keaton and Satawa are going to be moving on. If I had to guess who'd be filling their shoes, I think both Fano and Lomu have a big chance, because even though like Right now, they might be behind some of those other offensive linemen that I talked about, like Azura Williams. I think Fano, when he gets up to that strength, just because of his technique and just, you know, just such a fantastic recruit, like just the thing he's accomplished and what he's done, I do expect and think he'll be able to uh, win one of the starting spots next season overall. And that could be on a guard spot as well. Maybe he'll take a similar path to like what Braden Daniels did, going from the interior to offensive tackles and uh, his two positions on the outside as well. But I love the present. I love the depth. I love the future of this huge offensive line. And obviously I love the coach in Jim Harding. So I think this offensive line is in a great pace. 
I think it can definitely be one of the strengths of this team. Even with my questions about left tackle, I trust in Jim Harding, and I think Falcon Calmatuli is the right guy for that job, so I think he'll do a good job overall. So going to be interesting to see how this offensive line does. They'll be put to the test right away with a physical Florida Gators defensive front, and uh, Florida's still got that 400-pound nose tackle. So uh, those guys uh, working out so much in the offseason, moving all that weight, it's going to uh, pay off big for them come game one in particular. So going to be interesting to see how it all plays out, but I do like this Utah offensive line. So that's going to do it for today's edition of Locked on Utah. Thank you guys, as always, for making us your first listen every single day. Make sure you guys check out the Locked On Pac-12 podcast to learn more about the Pac-12 teams. And we'll be back with you tomorrow. We'll be talking about all the comments we get to hear from Kyle Whittingham at his media availability. That'll be on tomorrow's Locked On Utes. We'll see you then.